Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between, welcome to another episode of the Chaps Chat Cats. My name is Jake Votel, and I'm joined in the virtual Zoom studios by two esteemed gentlemen, Sambo and Johnny Larkin. We're doing the fucking intro differently, chaps. How are you? Threw me for a curveball. I was like, Jake has lost his fucking mind. (laughs) (laughs) I like to mix it up. I like to mix yeah, it no. up, chaps. I, I love the I love the of doing the intro live. Well, it's different. Uh, it's, it's new. I just thought that either I thought either the internet I thought either the internet is so shit that you're coming through at different speeds to what the sound drops are coming through. Uh, or yeah, you just had an absolute conniption. <laughs> you, had a, you, had a, you had an episode off, and you've just lost it. It's gone. That's right. So I also used to just hearing sand clips over the intro. I just thought it was another intro and I wasn't paying attention at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, For well, a minute both... there, yeah, because I wasn't sure you were talking and I heard that and I was like, is Jake playing me doing my impression of Jake back to me as a sound drop? <laughs> you guys did. Um, uh, uh, first of all, welcome to the Chaff Chat Cats. We've got the full recap of AFLW week two the Cats against the Blues for you. A little bit of news to dig into as well. And never know, we don't have a heap of news. Never know whether to put it at the start or the end. I think in fairness, it should go at the end. I think we should lead with the women's team because that's the the meat of the episode. Um, Get the horse back. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, that's true. Bring the horse back into the equation. Um, The other thing, of course, um, is that, that we need to mention is the fact that you gents flew the ship um, as a duo on Saturday. I was able to watch like the whole thing. Super proud, proud dad moment. Um, you guys did an absolutely fantastic job. How was it for you guys? It was good. I well, was the question tell was, yes. if you could watch the whole thing, how come you didn't just come and join us? Well, yeah. I was we, at work. Yeah. <laughs> so what are you doing watching we stuff in your Part of part and parcel of the job <laughs> that I have is that you have some stints where you're not doing a hell of a lot, but you have to be there. So um that's just part of it, you know. You should have um, just projected it up on the screen, made yeah. the whole audience watch. You're like, I should be here for guys. That's right. You know, you're here for Spider-Man or whatever the fuck, but this is what you get. No, we, right. we we enjoyed ourselves. I can't tell if it's uh if it's uh symbolic of the chaos or the impressiveness that you said we flew the ship. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking spaceship. I was thinking impressive? spaceship. Okay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> wasn't, wasn't sure if it was yeah, it was saying how, how much chaos it was because we were trying to achieve the wrong thing with the wrong craft. Uh, oh, but, um, spaceship. It was a day of first, it was our first. Joe's without you, and it was Jared Foxy's first it was. trip to an AFLW game. So, yep, a big day of first for everyone. Yes, no, I think we, I think we soldiered on. I certainly mm. wouldn't put my hand up to. I, I'm, I'll be honest. I won't say that we we feel that we're going to uh, have some kind of coup and kick you out. <laughs> I'm no, very, very glad you're yet. back. I'm I'm happy to to sort of recede back into the shit talking occasionally say some shit kind of role 
<laughs> awesome. I love it. Love it. Well, that's what I'll, cause I'm no good at talking shit. So, oh, I mean, that's not true. I'm good at talking shit, but you guys bring the analysis. You guys bring some of the band, all that sort of stuff. I am glad to be back though. It was a weird experience watching one from the outside. It was also cool because I thought it was, um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it as an analysis. I like the points you guys made. So hopefully other people enjoy the show uh, when the three of us are together as much as I did watching you guys. Um, quick announcement to Cameron um, is off at the minute. Our um, Python bicep. Don't tell me we've got fucking Colin back. No, no, you don't have Colin back. Um, we have um, Kate behind the glass first, woman, to uh, do um, sound for the chaps. Kate behind the glass. Um, so is this just another... Um, sound technician that was dumped at your doorstep <laughs> no, Kate, during the week Kate comes highly recommended um, from the world of television assures me um, that she not has not by Colin no, no not by Colin <laughs> assures me she has a lot of experience in um, comedy which I thought was promising because we're a funny bunch of clowns and you know um, so so yeah Anyway, welcome, Kate. Um, make you feeling that that Colin has somehow slithered his uh, my's uh, brainwashing abilities into Kate and is slowly worming his way back into the chaps. Yeah, podcast. saved it at the end there. Got to say, saved it at the end. Um, I, was, yeah. I was wondering where I was going. I'm going to say, I like, I like how, I like how Colin was was just an incompetent sound producer, and since leaving, he's somehow like elevated himself to fucking. Yes. Charles Manson <laughs> status of brainwashing and cult leadership. Well, I feel like he got to Cameron because Cameron was having to slip into the colonist type of uh, sound let's, technician. Let's let's say John John's uh, used his full quota of slip and slither for the <laughs> for this episode. <laughs> what was uh, I think? What was thanks, that thanks, about? For that, thanks for that. Thanks for that, Kate. That was uh, yeah. not really the kind of comedy we go for, but uh, no. but a I good try, you know? I, you know? I feel a bit awkward now. Yeah, he's trying to, trying to, trying to make a mark here. Yeah, uh... This is... I'm, I'm not sure if that's a, a group of people. I don't know how this is going to work. <laughs> Kate, go, like go a... easy on the comedy. Dial the comedy dial back just a little. It sounded like um, a group of seals fighting over piece of meat um well i hate laugh tracks so much it made me feel like i wanted to change the channel but there's no channel to change <laughs> it's true it's true um so no kate, offense kate as i said swing for the fences you're trying to make an impression <laughs> i get it we get um, it but don't try too hard yeah try less hard. Like um try less achieve more is what <laughs> i'd say absolutely it's not not actually bad uh um yeah <laughs> not bad advice um anyway we hope cameron uh gets better he's got the uh the omicron um thankfully he produces the shows digitally um you know when i say behind the glass behind the glass of his computer screen he's a long way away um so they're yeah. gonna say behind a four inch plex, uh, plexiglass oh my god <laughs> <laughs> The um, the amount of times 
<laughs> Jake and I both clearly think we're about to have to, yeah. to pull the plug on, on John Jordi. <laughs> All right, let's get into it, chaps. Let's have, get have that. Have that. I hope Kate's polished up her censorship. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> um... <laughs> but what you th- what were you think? I was going to say something, Sam. Something dirty, obviously. No, obviously not. Of course, I thought when you said it got hiding behind a four inch, I thought you were about to say plexiglass. What else about that? The Cats uh, well, headed home to host their first game of the new season at Cadinia Park against Carlton. Um, the change in fixture, obviously, as you guys covered, uh, came after the Cats lost their opponent, the Western Bulldogs, to COVID issues. Um, the Cats also took some pretty significant outs into the game themselves. They didn't have Nina Morrison, Julia Crocker-Grills, Sophie Vanderhoevel, Georgie Rankin, and Madison Maguire. Um, so some fairly significant players out for the Cats. Thought, to sort of recap the game in brief, they brought the same sort of hard running and hard tackling as last week, um, but found themselves up against a highly skilled, highly experienced, and highly patient Carlton team. The Blues kicked the opening goal of the game as the Cats registered just two behinds despite doing a lot of the grunt work in the match uh, to close down space and tackle the ball carrier. The Cats gained some reward for effort in the second quarter as Irish woman Rachel Kearns marked truly and was then given a 50-metre penalty, sending her shot sailing over the bar and straight through the posts um, over the umpire's head for six. And the Cats were swarming with pressure again, but Carlton still turned for halftime up 2-2-14 to 1-3-9. The second half played out in sort of a similar vein. Geelong still doing a lot of work uh, without the footy and Carlton trusting a short kicking system to manipulate the angle of attack and open up space. Very patient with their ball use, Carlton. Uh, the Blues ultimately adding two goals, 5-17 to their first half score, while the Cats could only add 1-2-8 as Geelong went down 31-17 to in a loss that was, at least for me, boys, incredibly frustrating to watch at times, given how little reward for effort the side got for all of the hard work they'd done. Much like last year, Carlton dominated possession 256 to 198, hit outs 34 to 9. And unlike last year, they also bossed the clearances as well, 25 to 13. Um, Sambo, go to you first. Your thoughts on the match, just as an initial sort of thing. Uh, yeah, I agree with the, the points you made just now in terms of. Just, just frustrating. I don't know. I may. We obviously didn't watch it together. I watched it a little later because I wasn't able to watch it live. Um, so I'm not 100 percent sure if you guys see eye to eye with me on this. And we we generally tiptoe around the umpiring stuff, try not to harp on it too much. But that for me was really fucking frustrating this week. Mm-hmm. Just some of the inconsistency from one call to the next, the and possibly the inconsistency with what I'm coming to the game expecting. And versus like what the umpires are maybe trying to achieve, like there's some kind of push from uh, from the AFLW to like let things run more. I don't know. I don't know if you feel that way that they're trying to make the game faster and um, more free flowing. And I feel like if you compare this to the AFL M, 
they're so much more lenient on holding the ball. I feel like this year in particular, in a blanket sense, but this game specifically was really hard to watch. Like, and, and I'm sure there was ones going the other way. I just, you know, you just don't notice them as much when you're a fan. So I'm, I'm not going out here saying it full on won them the game or anything like that. But as a Geelong supporter watching the Geelong cats, there was a lot of moments where there was what I would call textbook holding the ball. Uh, And it it wasn't, and it wasn't even really acknowledged or questioned by the, the broadcast team. And that leads me into, sorry, I'm not really talking about the football here, but that leads me to the other point of why do they not replay things in the AFLW? Why is the broadcast like, apart from goals and really big collisions, they pretty much just don't replay stuff. Like they don't give you a chance to like, I want the moment where I can either validate my opinion based on the Mm. slow-mo replay or be educated and go, Oh, I didn't see it from that angle. But I don't know if they, again, if they're just trying to keep things like even the broadcast really snappy, or they think that, I don't know, people aren't, people don't want the replays, but I want the replays. And there was, like a minimum, a dozen things in that game, probably half a dozen the week before and about a dozen things in this game where I just have had no clue what, why we were, okay, we've got 50 meters. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's watch what happens here and nothing like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you guys felt the same, but I just found that really tough and that kind of compounded this supreme effort for so little reward from the from the gameplay itself where I felt like we really lacked some of those like Nina Morrison the week before the players that were really able to use that effort to cut open the field and make an opportunity and then still in the forward line we just seem to be lacking that target or multiple targets that will capitalize on the opportunities that the the midfielders are just like running their guts out for I think, um, like, right, I'll just I say, like, five points there. <laughs> off the like off the top, I had a massive sort of rant to have, um, but I, you know, I've thought about it more, and uh, I don't need to take up you know massive amount of time with with my rant. I want to get John's thoughts on this, and I think we should definitely talk about this. But because my frustration about it is, it's like. With, with umpiring and refereeing and officiating in, in sports, I like everyone's always got to respect the umpire's call. You got to respect the umpire's call. Fair enough. I get it in that it's a hard job. Like and an umpiring AFL is really hard. Never let it be said that I don't think that. My, my issue is it's also a really hard thing to play AFL. And it's also a really hard thing to coach AFL. Like there's difficulties in every line of work associated with the sport. It's hard to be a physio as well. Hard to be a broadcaster. And the thing is that when a broadcaster fucks up, um, you know, says the wrong thing, does the wrong thing, you know, there's, there's efforts made to amend that mistake. And, and with players, you know, you show them the game film and go, Hey, see this, we can't have this happen. You know, everyone sort of gets these these teaching and learning opportunities and and, and to to an extent people are held accountable and help to learn and grow and i'm sure that some of that happens within umpiring circles you know in terms of umpire training and all that sort of thing 
but it's disappointing to me that we are not using technology to help out our umpires and instead technology is often serves um, to highlight refereeing fuck-ups like the classic one was a tackle in the cat's defense uh, in, inside 50, I think Chantal Emanson laid a tackle on a Carlton Ford, tackled her down to the ground. Now, she tackled her from the side, I believe, and, you know, you pull your target down to the ground. Now, free kick was given for a dangerous sling tackle um, because from where the umpire was standing, it looked as though Chantal Emanson had slung her head into the ground and that her head had rebounded off the turf. Now, as the Carlton players going back to kick the goal, we instantly, two, three seconds later, get a replay as the girl's going back to her mark. And you instantly see on the television angle, which is a better angle than the umpire had, oh no, actually that's just a very fair tackle. There was no head-high contact. It wasn't dangerous. Um, Emanson actually, you know, undertook the duty of care to not sling her head first into the ground. All these things... Now, to me, the broadcast crew go, oh, yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't a freaky. That's a bad call. There's nothing in that. Everyone around the country watching goes, what the fuck? What was that call for? And the umpire doesn't know. Everybody who's watching the game, you know, from 300 kilometers away can see what's happened, but the umpire doesn't. To me, in this day and age, either we need to stop replaying these things. And we just go, whatever the umpire... They're trying, I would say. Yeah, whatever the umpire (laughs) called, that's what it called, we'll just roll with it. Or the smart thing to do in these instances and is as many Mm. instances as possible where you can radio down and go, hey, uh, that wasn't a sling tackle, head didn't hit the ground, it's fine, can you please reverse that, Um, have a ball up from the spot or something like that. Just do it. And I know it's not Well, I mean, I don't don't really understand, but like... like I mean, they do that with, I mean, the umpires themselves can confer and, and overrule like the goal line decisions and that kind of stuff. Like, you know, like there's, there is a hierarchy there. And I think it's actually a couple of points and we'll get back to the game and get John's thoughts. Yeah. But a couple of points is that they, I think the issue starts with morons that can't control their anger at like grassroots level against the umpires. So I'm not ne- not necessarily saying at the AFL level, but like the, the local levels, right? Mm. That's where it starts, this animosity towards umpires and people that can't control their anger, abusing umpires over this stuff. And that creates this thing of people don't want to be umpires because they're abused. So the ones mm. that do, we're so sort of desperate for them and grateful for them that we're trying to protect them from these idiots. Mm. Um, and that they're treated like a real like, endangered species when it comes to correcting them or challenging them from a, from a, like a, from a broadcaster point of view, not necessarily a player on the field so much, because I think that's useless. Like for a player to turn around and go, no, I touched it. Like they, they can't, the umpires can't use that to, to amend on the, on the fly, of course. But I just think you, you kind of get attacked for attack for like, can, can sort of trying to, trying to confront the umpiring a little bit Mm. Uh, and it actually creates worse animosity towards the umpires because as you say jake they're oblivious to the the almost objective mistake they've made you know Mm. obviously given perspective and stuff 
And so the next mistake they make angers the fans even more because the fans have seen the replay and they're like, this umpire is an idiot, blah, 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 blah. Instead of giving him the chance to like, mm. you know, to release that kind of aggression from the, the fans by going, oh, it's overturned actually. You know, and I don't even think it has to be a ball up. If the replay says that should have been holding the ball, mm. turn it over holding the ball. It's a, it's an issue. It's a real, you know, we've, we've had um, a lot of back and forth on the pod about it. And we've had letters about it, you know, people not wanting the game to be stilted ETC, but the broadcast isn't stilted. If they can give us these replays <laughs> at the speed of light, then why can't they be chatting to the umpire on the ground? I don't know. It just it's creating a cycle of animosity towards the umpires, and then they're just treating them as as fragile objects that you can't accuse them of being wrong. You can't correct them if you say anything. Oh, suddenly you just hate. You're just bitter because you lost. You just hate the umpires. Rah, rah, rah. Mm. Anyway, maybe John will have some more points about the action. I don't think I really can add any more. (laughs) (laughs) Just then, then before we... Sorry, you go, you go. I I just think, yeah, if we get replays that quick, how hard is it to have someone who's watching the game from that angle to see a free kick that probably shouldn't be there? He can just say, hey, that was wrong. Reverse it, ball up, whatever. I think I think we've we've got the technology for us. Not like um, trying to decide if it hit a post where you've got to have all these different angles. Mm. You've got all these different angles already. It's not tiny poles um, up the top or whatever. You've got to make sure there's a sound. Yeah, you just got to make sure. Did they? If it's did they get roughly tackled mm. in a danger? Was it a dangerous tackle? If not then just do a ball up move on because mm. there's a lot of that stuff happening where i feel like there was a few calls that went missing that um, should have been called but i also think that tackles should be rewarded more especially ones that are really well done because i felt like Calvin and Geelong both did play some fantastic tackles at really important parts of the ground and just weren't rewarded and mm. I feel like the broadcasters felt that they should be rewarded as well. And I think we should reward players for doing playing the game really well by bringing down players at really rough, really intense times. Yeah. Sure, it may be a bit tough, but I've, yeah, it's one of those things. There's, I think there's too many rules at the moment that yeah. the, that the, that the, the target of the tackle can ex, can exploit the whole flopping around like a fish. Yeah tapping the ball, but not trying to really trying to get it out. Even this, I don't know, even the, the, the prior opportunity thing still seems to be so vague. It's like how much prior opportunity is yeah, it? Is. You mean prior? Cause sometimes it seems like an umpire doesn't just mean prior opportunity to get to dispose of the ball, but like a good prior opportunity. Like sometimes they, they've got all this time, but they don't have a good target and they don't kick it and they get tackled. And he's like, well, there's no one to kick it to sort of thing. Like almost yeah. like, prior opportunity only counts as prior opportunity if it was like a like a, a, a good a good option yeah but that's not the case like the case is prior opportunity to, to get rid of it and yeah. the holding the ball as far as i know was introduced to keep the game moving right to like it's, stop it's... players from just being able to like cage it and like slow it down and hmm. and and do whatever they want with it right so that it's like it's still you're incentivized those... to 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 play it off as quickly as possible it's still one of those rules that I'm still 
and that's what you're frustrated at because you see teams doing the right thing every week, like playing either laying a great tackle and the player doesn't get rid of it, but then the umpire says, oh, they tried mm. to get rid of it. And I hate that, the try part, because technically if you say that player tried to get rid of it, then how come every other call you've made before that for holding the ball, how come they didn't get back? Yeah, because technically the, the, the player that <laughs> didn't drop it onto his foot yeah. was a was trying to get rid of it in a couple of seconds. Yeah. <laughs> like, and that, that one's a weird one, the throw it on, to throw it onto the ball and miss it. I remember when if you got tackled and tried to throw it onto the foot, and missed that was holding the ball you were gone whereas now, now it's now it's it's iffy it's i think it's like 20 percent of the time you're gone but like 80 percent of the time that counts as, a, as attempted disposal that i think any time that your body's half like your legs are on that ground and you're trying to kick it i think that's too late i think that should be holding the ball because i feel like the tap was done he's done he his her job perfectly they've got the player on the ground Reward them. Mm. It doesn't matter if their boot hit the ball after on the ground. That's still that should be still holding the ball because that's yeah. That's a good idea actually. It. Like it's like like in the NFL where um, you know, if a player is tackled to the ground, like that's the end of the play. The player can't then get up and run off again. You know, mm. once you're grounded. Um, I mean, I, I also wonder too. Like I was watching some more Gaelic football over the weekend and you know um there's not like a clear holding the ball rule there you know there's there's you can't run too far without bouncing you know the ball or whatever i mean it'd be fascinating to wonder what the afl would look like if you took out holding the ball in terms of all prior opportunity and just say if you get tackled with the ball you know what i mean and you don't get rid of it before you're brought to ground you're holding the ball no matter whether you have a prior opportunity or not. It'd be interesting to just like to see what the game would look like if you went sort of more open slather with that. And like you said, John, reward tacklers more easily. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be interesting. But let, let's let's then dive into the well, sorry. I just think on the AFL out for the AFL end season. It's apparently they're gonna close down on holding the ball. Um, so it sounds like that if you duck or try and fend off a player while you've got the ball that will be penalised straight away as holding the ball if you got tackled I thought that already was the case to be honest because I, I thought when you meant to be I thought when you took on a player but I think even like if you get it and you don't move, and you still go to fend or duck. Yeah. I think that umpires have been told that if you ever see a player duck while they're getting tackled, that then it's going to be paid a free kick to the other team. The other um, uh, semantic that I thought was a holding the ball was if you turn into the tackle, if you turn <laughs> your back to the to the oncoming player, it's holding the ball. But that's not that wasn't paid yeah. multiple times both ways in this game. So it um, sounds like that was also. Basically, it sounds like they're wanting to make it a lot more simpler for the umpires, basically saying if they fend off, if they duck, if they move to get out of the tackle, whatever, and they still get tackled, I think it's going to be basically holding the ball, which Mm. I'm all for. I think it needs to be a lot more simpler. It's 
if you do anything to avoid being tackled and you still get tackled, then that should be 100% holding the ball. Yeah. I think. I mean, it's going to hopefully clear up things like mm. that bloody um, uh, blicks mark on the side si- or like catch on the siren. That yeah. sort of like, it, it may really hurt a lot of teams and a lot of teams that want to control yes. the play like the Cats, like the Cats, um, the, the Cats AFL-M team may have to like do a bit of an adjustment to to get used to that but i think it's i think it's a good thing and like all this replay stuff that we're talking about i totally agree jake but if they can just make it simpler and more cons- and easier for the umpires to be more consistent then i'm happy yeah. for the umpires well, to keep well, to keep doing it it's simpler for the viewers as well and it's an inhuman task at the moment yeah. for the umpires and that's i don't think it's but it's okay for us to complain when it's not right because yeah like that's you know when people when people say it's you know it's impossible to get every right call right that's true so why are we giving an inhuman task to humans well, make the task human or put in humans in charge <laughs> and i think just in general too it's like the whole film thing you know oh we'll fix it in post i think the the more umpiring you can fix while you're while you're rolling um you know by adjusting mm. the rules uh, the better, you know, I, I'm, I don't like replay being involved in the game. Actually, I prefer when you have games where there's no replay and all that sort of thing, but I would prefer there to be a higher percentage of calls, a, a high percentage of consistency on the calls. So if the only way we can improve that is via video replay um, getting mm. involved, then that's, to me is the that's the trade-off but i think i think you're right i think we can simplify the rules and just talking about you know trying to get less reward the tackler more that's less ball ups and and that's something we've been saying for a long time get rid of as many ball ups and throw-ins as possible and get the footy in the hands of the players you know to incentivize them to to play it early incentivize them to get the ball out of their fucking hands and that makes a more exciting game which is Absolutely. what everyone wants everyone i mean everyone complains about geelong slowing the game down make the game so that you can't if they really yeah. want it like geelong is playing within the rules when they do that stuff yeah. make it so it's rules. difficult so if you get the ball and you as they say if what they're saying is true if you fend off to try and in any minor way, try and fend off a tackle, try and get out of a tackle and you fail, then absolutely 100% that should be holding the ball no matter what. It shouldn't be uh, how long did he have it for. Mm-hmm. If he still tries to get it, even if he just picked it up, like duck or weave or whatever, he yeah. still should, they should still be penalised. Because Yeah, look, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm of the opinion that a prior opportunity rule can be in effect, but I think it should be literally that. Like, like, two seconds if you scoop the ball up it shouldn't be too hard for an umpire to kind of go i just picked it up he hasn't got rid of it and he got tackled like like that amount of time like if you literally like grab it and stand up and someone smashes you that's probably not holding i'm happy for that not to be holding the ball but if you scoop the ball up look up and then look to the other way and get tackled that is holding the ball in uh, that what should be in my opinion, yeah. because that is a, you've looked one way and gone, can't dispose of it in that direction and look the other way. If you've made the conscious choice to look for a better option and risk the un- oncoming yeah. tackles. Um, or, or moving. If you get the ball and you step, 
Yes. Yes. That absolutely. Still, yeah. yeah. It's those ones where and I, you see it every now and then where they get the ball and they you can't really see them move. They don't move. They get tackled by three or four players and then it's called holding the ball. And it's like, well, what? Yeah. What can you do when you're completely surrounded? You get the ball. It gets knocked here. You're yeah. on the ground. You you can't move. What else are you meant to do? Just chuck it. <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. Well, yeah. Or like leave it and like not yeah. pick it up. Like yeah. So there's got to be there's got to be amendments to it. But and, and I'm sure like 90% of the calls that I had an issue with in this game, someone that's recorded the game and re rewatched it at like <laughs> you know half speed will be able to say, well, the umpire made the call, and you'll see here in the in the microphone. He, he or she explains it to the players, blah, blah, blah. And they say, oh, it's because you did this. I'm of the opinion that if the rule, if you're correct, the calls are correct, but your rules are so fucking nuanced that the audience doesn't understand without being mic'd up to the umpire and being able to watch it at half speed, then you've got a problem, especially mm. when you're not giving them replays to understand like that. It all just, it all just piles up in this thing of this. Just, I just felt bewildered half the time in the game just gone i'd yeah. like there was three three 50 meter penalties i think i knew which i think i saw one of them and understood what it was for <laughs> like yeah the one i understood geelong geelong's one i didn't see it happen in real time but as soon as they showed the replay mm. it's like oh yeah that's punished percent shotting but i'm not sure what the one against the cats were i didn't see that one i don't think they showed a replay no and i mean Full disclosure, I watched it afterwards and I did not watch the halftime show. It's possible they went into all of this, yeah. but it still yes. stands that I didn't watch the halftime show either. During, during <laughs> the during the and that's 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 my bad, but during the game, I still want a replay of the of these things, like no matter how controversial or not it's gonna be. And that's like a totally fair enough thing, I think, to want. I think you know, the replays and that sort of thing. There's there's a lot of stuff. Um and, and as I said, like it, it all goes back to me. Don't let, you know, perfect get in the way of good. You know what I mean? We may never get mm. it perfect, but don't let that stop us trying to make it better. And I think, you know, one thing for mm. me with the, with the, you know, the women in the AFLW is that, yeah, it's hard for umpires to trot out every week and get to the position where they can go and umpire. It's hard for the women playing as well. And, you know, it becomes disheartening when the work you're putting in on the training track, um, the work you've put in, you know, during the week is undone by, you know, poor refereeing that's maybe not being improved. Um, mm -hmm. So I think, I think, yeah, or, and, and, and if it's, and if it's, if it's spectacular, flawless umpiring that I just don't understand, then that work is still being disincentivized and wasted by a game that protects the ball carrier as a protected species. Rather than, you know, and, and I mean, I, th I guess the three of us take this a little personal because we've been talking, you know, we've spoken to uh, Becky Webster and, and Claudia Gunjaka and like, we know how much work they're putting into this very part, the strength and conditioning, the fitness, the tackling, the, the ferocity. And so when we see them doing it, doing all the things that they want to do, they set out to do, and then just not getting rewarded, even though like, some of the time they should be whether I don't know what percentage of those tackles should have been holding the ball. What shouldn't. Uh, yeah. I do think I'm, I'm feeling on a, a slightly more personal level than, than previous, because we, we know 
what the cats are putting their effort into. And the, and the, on that level, it looks like they're failing, but on that level, they're succeeding and they're just not getting rewarded for it. It's, it's yeah. As a cat fan, it's frustrating. As a football fan, it's frustrating. <laughs> Absolutely. And as a sports fan, it's frustrating. And speaking of the frustration, um, but also the new approach, like I thought just to sort of dive into sort of recapping the football element of this game, like yeah, we've got a game to recap, don't we? I yeah. thought I thought the um I thought the the tackling and the pressure was still there, but I thought what you saw for me was the difference in a team that's been around since 2016, you know, when they first got a license for a club and 2017 with the first season. And then the cats who have been around since 2019 and have a lot of new faces. I thought it was pretty stark, the efficiency with which Carlton could move the ball, the ease with which they were hitting up targets on the chest by foot, I thought was, was pretty stark contrast. I'm not trying to shit on the cats at all. It's just like, it is what it is. Like Mm. I thought Carlton, their ability to be patient, they made Geelong run and run and run and they changed the angles and they picked apart the pressure and then they found an opening and went and went and got a goal. Um, Did you guys sort of think that the, the other point I'll just add to that was North Melbourne got jumped by the cats, had no idea what this Geelong team was going to look like in week one. Week two, although they got their opponent only a few days before the game, Carlton has had a chance to watch Geelong now and the new game plan and the new style and kind of go, okay, this is how we can approach this. You know, in hindsight, the kangaroos may also have been more patient with their ball use if they hadn't have been so attacked out the gate and surprised by Geelong's new approach. So, what did you guys think? Do you think that's sort of on the money with, with that, the differences, the, the efficiency uh, with which absolutely. Carlton handled the Cats' pressure, I guess? Yes, you could definitely see Carlton's senior players really leading from the front, especially uh, for Sparkus, who was just, again, must be something. I'm not sure if she plays that well every time she goes out, but I'm assuming she would, but I feel like every time she comes up against the Cats... <laughs> She plays at another level there. She's yeah. just completely in control. She can't do anything wrong. And that was, again, this this weekend. It's like every time she got the ball, she passed it pinpoint to another player. And then she was up to ground again, receiving and passing another pass. So she was unstoppable pretty much for the whole game. She was just like a level head, someone who leading the troops from the front for Carlton, along with um, Vesio. And um, Pound as well. I thought there was those three players, defence, midfield and attack, that just really solidified Carlton in those key areas and just helped those other them. The team work around them really well. And the Cats fought really hard, but really impressed with their attack, their ferocity, all that, the tackling, the pressure was on part last week it's just that attack into the forward 50 still needs a bit more work they're still doing a lot of those long high kicks which just worked into Carlton's favor because they although they got a lot of players around the ball and did what we wanted to see them do which was not all tackle at once but they had ready for the ball to come out 
they did that really well. It's just that next part of having to attack where they need to be when they do do those long kicks in. Because a lot of times when we did go inside 50, there was four, five Carlton defenders to three cats. Mm. And it's tough as a young team to know where to position yourself when there's that many defenders around you to go up for a mark and where in that pack do you put your body in for a good position? So Carlton definitely used all their experience and whether the cat storm, the cats were using all our youth and exuberance really well, but as most cases, the experience came out on top and I don't think it's going to be long before the cats really start clicking as a team and get the ball rolling and start winning some games. But I, th- I think it may take a little bit longer than what we as fans are we're expe- um, sort of hoping hoping for. But I think it's more realistic in how the cats are approaching it. Yeah. What about you, Sambo? What are your sort of like key takeaways from, from the game in general? Uh, yeah, all of that. Obviously, the big one was, you know, it just feeds into what you guys are saying, which is Carlton's composure. Um, under under the pressure was just uh, phenomenal, uh, and I think too you know going back to the versus the ruse during the ruse game I know that the and I don't I'm not I'm not the biggest expert on the this Carlton team or the Kangaroos team, but I know that the broadcast uh, indicated that a fast high speed attacking style is the way the ruse like to play, that and that Geelong took the speed to them. Um, so not only were they caught unaware, but I think they were, it was more of an arm wrestle of trying to take that speed back rather than what Carlton did, which was, which was just weather that storm and then plop a kick over the top and kick a goal. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you guys saw the stats in that first, in that first um, quarter, uh, Geelong had had 92% of the uh, possession inside forward 50 with zero, zero inside forward 50 um which is just basically the game in a nutshell really yeah absolutely <laughs> like it's pretty hard to to deal with that kind of um a statistical uh yeah uh, unevenness um and it just it sort of didn't never felt like it was going to go another way um like which is funny because i think we're i think we were so close like i think we're only a couple of degrees off winning that game but we were those couple of degrees off for the whole game. Do you know what I mean? So it, it, it never felt like it was going to end differently, but at the same time, it wouldn't take much for that whole game to be different. Uh, whereas the Ruse game to me felt like we only needed a couple more goals, you know, a couple of those goals to go our way. And we, we could have put them to bed and, and won that one. Whereas this one to me just sort of felt like that was just on the cards from the first sort of 10 minutes. I think it sort of felt like a good example too of, you know, all work and no play kind of leads to a collapse. Mm. Like mm. we saw it today in the, um, in the NFL, the Steelers going in as massive underdogs, um, you know, holding the Chiefs scoreless almost the whole way through the first half, but the Steelers offense couldn't do anything. And then all of a sudden Kansas City rolls in and then smokes us. Um, I kind of felt like it was a similar kind of thing for, for the Cats is, 
when you don't get reward for all that effort, you can start to become a little bit desperate and overcommit mm-hmm. trying to force the issue to happen. And you sort of lose a bit of the balance yeah. of your system or your head can drop and you become a bit despondent. And I, yeah, I actually think it's like to, to what you were saying, Sam, but the difference between these games, I thought the score last week kind of flattered the kangaroos. I thought that eight points was actually mm. a little bit rich. It felt like maybe a, you know, half a goal in it. Uh, but I thought this one was actually lucky to not be a bigger margin. This this one at times yeah. felt like it yes. could have been a 30, 35 point thing. Um, not because of a lack of effort again, but Carlton's efficiency. Um, it was pretty, it was pretty remarkable. Like, um, if I wasn't a Cats fan, I would have been impressed with the way in which they kept cool heads. Well, um, I mean, I mean, yeah, Carlton, Carlton were only up by, I don't know, eleven points at one at, the, at a certain point when they were, but they missed like four sitters in a row. Yeah. Like when we talk about efficiency, their efficiency nosedived as well. Yeah. But they were laughing like an eleven yeah. point margin, and they were just like, ah, fuck. Like yeah. that's it was frustrating as a Cats fan to watch. And you kind of go, is this arrogant for them to be laughing when they're missing? Like we would kill for a goal right now. And you guys are laughing because you're missing a goal from 10 meters out. Um, But I think it just went to show again, their composure. And they were just out there doing their, doing their thing, playing a game of football and um, yeah, just crushing it. So it's sort of, yeah, it's a little scary if they're kicking had a in they're kicking particularly in the, in the second half, if their kicking had been accurate, um, it could have been an absolute whitewash. I thought the squad did well with some of the outs like Crockett grill for our tackles to be so good without Crockett grills and Nina Morrison uh, is pretty good, but it, it may be again, why some of the, like getting the Ford 50 in a, in an effective way was tough because other people were probably filling in those roles and thus take themselves away from other areas in the, in the ground that were having to be filled with other players Meg McDonald, quite as, right? Like, I'm sure statistically she still did okay for herself, but but by, no, by Megatron stand. I was going to bring that point up. Um, I, I think I, I, wanted to, I wanted to highlight um, Maddie Carrick and Chantel Emanson um, because they've kind now, of taken... Quickly, quickly. Emanson, the broadcast said Emanson, the broadcast said Emanson, and the broadcast said Emerson. Yeah, okay. <laughs> just like to point out that I was I was looking for clarification on how I should have said it and I didn't get from them. We'll go with Amy. Sounds, sounds like you're more confused than ever. I am. Well, it it it's sort of um it's interesting the 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 thing with Megatron and in some ways um quicker than Cameron. Um I think in some ways this is a good sign. For, for, for the cat squad because there are multiple players filling the, the need down back. Like Carrick through two games has been really good. Like um, yeah. this game, she had 12 disposals, um, two tackles. Um, oh, I've actually got it here. The combined stats of Carrick and Emanson, 24 touches, three marks, three tackles. Um, Megatron had five disposals, one mark, two tackles. So she only had five, five touches of the footy. And that's, that's pretty consistent um, too with last week as well. Didn't have, was she being, was she being tagged? She was playing on Darcy Vessio and that. Who's her housemate, right? Yeah. And they played on each other last time. 
um, as well as I disappear into the darkness here. Because um, yeah. my, my lover. Uh, <laughs> um but i think you can you can view it as a as a positive thing in a weird way um yes. only because there are other people there that the the load is more evenly spread in the back line um but i would i would like to point out though that the yes. others are doing the job of defending well and picking up that weight mm. and not leaving all on megatron's shoulders but i i not know and no shade at those other players but I don't think they have their the meters gained uh, ability that Megatron has, um, because there was there was one point and it was an it was an attack on goal that we had and it was literally Megatron intercept intercept marked, took a few steps and did just like an absolute plum kick. Um, you know, it was very again not to not to bring everything back to the AFLM, but it was very a very Tom Stewart moment to just mm. like just cut apart the ground and pick it, pick out a player. And then we only had one more kick into the, in, into the inside 50. Mm. Um, and I, I don't, I don't see that from the other defenders as much as Megatron. Like I think she's a not only gun defender, like for, for cutting out the opposition and the captain, but also is, is quite good at then at the turnover then not just getting possession, laying the tackle intercept marking, but, but then the disposal of that, of that possession that she's now gained, I think is still what puts her yeah. at, at the, the pinnacle of that back line. Um, so that I think was lacking. Cause again, it felt like mm. the midfield were doing all the work. That's not the case. The defenders were doing a lot of work and the forwards were doing a lot of work, but just in, in terms of the midfielders seem to be the ones having to like, capitalize on the good work of the defenders to get get it up through the ground and then they were the ones really pushing it up into into the into the forward 50 as well yeah no absolutely that's fair that's that's totally fair we, yeah. we may be losing the 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 offensive side of of megatron's game when she doesn't get as much of the footy um johnny Wanted to get your thoughts on someone who's on your draft team and someone who you invented a nickname for, Monty Kearns. Um, started like a house on fire. Didn't get as much of the footing in the second half. Um, finishes with um, only the five touches, four kicks, one hand pass, a mark and five tackles. Most of that was in the first half. But what did you see about Monty Kearns that really uh, got you excited? Obviously, she got the, the first goal, but uh, talk a bit about Rachel Kearns so far? Well, uh, excitement machine, this tackling machine as well, and relentless. You can just see in her eyes when she gets on that field, there's not much going to stop her from getting her opponent when they've got the ball. Like, I'd hate to have her chasing you down. She seems fast, she's strong, and she won't stop until she gets her player and yeah it was really exciting to see her play a really solid game after last week's bit of a quiet one in the first game but this week was really exciting and I think it really showed what she will bring as she keeps on improving and getting more awareness getting more idea of how um how the game runs yes and uh, and you know it was great to get a goal that's going to boost that confidence really well go well I can kick goals from nearly 50 meters out no problem mm. and beautiful kick beautiful kick sensational um not surprised 
after seeing her kicking with Tommy Stewart and um, was Zach Mackie Tui or someone and Zach Tui, Zach Tui and, and yep. O'Connor. O'Connor, the two right. Irish boys. Yep. Yeah, so no surprise that she can kick well, but most Irish people do kick sensationally. But yeah, I'm really excited to see what she can bring to the game. And I think once that awareness of where players are, because she's still getting a bit caught out when she does have the ball, she wants to run. Mm. But I think it's still that thing of I can't, I can get tackled in this game. They're not just push me, they're going to bring me down. So I think once she gets her awareness up a lot more, which will come in due time, and I think that's going to be an issue that halfway through the season. I think once she gets another two, three games, I think mm -hmm. she's going to be a bona fide star for the Cats. Well, there is that real instinct when you watch Gaelic football to, as soon as you get the ball, take off with it. You mm. know what I mean? And you can see that that's still her instinct. And I think uh, the thing I actually liked was, was the behind that she kicked, um, where she sort of roved it off the pack and snapped with the left oh, mm. in the pocket. And I thought that, that showed a fantastic. lot of development of the awareness of sort of footy angles and that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Your thoughts on Kearns, if you've got any to add, Sam, but I also wanted your thoughts on Claudia Gunjaka, who had a much improved my mind. <laughs> game. Um, last week, just the one touch for the match. Um, this week, 11 disposals, a team high five marks, um, and a behind uh, that was uh, from a snap out of, out of traffic. Um, your thoughts on Gunjaka and also Kate Darby, who had eight touches, three marks, three hitouts, three tackles. Um, both of those women playing the best game of their season. So, yeah, I, I don't know who you want to talk about say, first. But, oh, yep. I think uh, Gunjaka may have watched our live show because she did exactly what we were hoping she would do. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. It was all us. All right. That's we right, expect to credit. credit. Uh, we, were, we were practically out there running around. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, quickly on on, on Monte Kearns, really good. I'd like to I'd like to know. Do you like such a such a rapid change in the second half? Do you think she was they, that the Blues gave her the respect she was due and and changed up the mark the like the marking on her to take her out of the game, or do you think it's a, it's and this is more my take on it that it's still a little bit of a head sort of a mind game in terms of the amount of effort she's putting in and still not quite being there with, with all the skills and maybe is a, is a little hard on herself and, and starts sort of overthinking things as the game wears on. What do you guys reckon? I think that's a pretty fair point. I mm. think she seems like a bit of a perfectionist. Um, I mean, mm. you kind of get the feeling like three sport now, four sport athlete, um, you would have to be pretty committed to, to a standard of excellence to be as successful as she has been. And um, yeah, I can, I can see that, that it could be. Yeah. yeah definitely. Tough to yeah, keep. Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, uh, yeah, I, I think, I think so. I think she's awesome. And I think she probably, yeah, just a little hard on herself, but she shouldn't be unnecessarily, but I, I feel like that's why she has acquired a second half. It was probably like, getting a little exhausted uh, more more mentally than than physically. Um, but, yeah, Kate Darby, awesome. Really, really made a fucking impression. Um, yeah. 
which is lucky because because Jake tried to take her out of my fantasy team to try and <laughs> swindle Olivia Barber away from me. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I was under the impression that I still got Barber. Did you want to renege the whole trade? Is that the well? What was the... well? I didn't need to do a trade anymore, did I? No, that's what so, I was so you've missed the, the you, my 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 trade offer was separate to anyone you had on your squad. It was more. No, going, it wasn't because you know said you said you said I'll you swap you here for Barber yeah. because Darby needs needs to be replaced. I well maybe I misspoke because my my thing was that Darby was on the interchange and didn't think she was going to get much of a run, so I was trying to trade you a player who would. Get a run as it turned right. out. From what I was just uh, having this uh, ring. John's about to back Sam up from, in a big way because that's what from happens. What I read. That's what happens. John's going <laughs> no, into no, bat no, for I'm his just, man. All right, have it, have I'm it. Just, I'm just saying what I read from this situation was yes. that from what I was reading from the whole situation was that yes, um, you believe that Darby was an out. And was it going to play at all? And then you, the trade happened. That's all. That's all. What I took away from the first off trade was that Darby. You believe Darby was out? Wasn't going to play. I look. I, now, I'll, I'll, I've, I've now, now, happened. now for the for the for the for the sake of uh, of transparency, I've reread the conversation, yes. and I would say there's nothing where Jake specifically said that this may be what you mean. But what you said was, yes. um, I, I'll offer you, I'll offer you Shear for Barber. Yes. Um, and there was a couple of other things said off off topic, and then when it yes. came back, you said open to trades anytime. I like Barber for down the track, and figured Shear could be a good forward replacement for your for you for Derby. That's all you said. And so that yes. was, and then I I assumed Derby was was not was, was not playing because the conversation was about all the outs. I can um, see. I yeah. will. I. I see. Now I'm not now. Now your assumption was that I wanted to get rid of Derby. That was not the case. So I. So there's just a whole, a whole, a whole mass, massive confusion. I here. shall it amend. Is. I shall amend the fantasy page accordingly. I am nothing if not a man of honor <laughs> who, who will see judgment to democratic process. Um, so I will renege the trade. I will return the demon barber safely to your your team facility and i will invite chloe Shear back um i'll ask her to take all of the um audio bugs out of your well, team facility uh on her way out well, I'm, just, I'm just i'm just so if you thought darby was in you you why you thought i would take Shear and just kick darby out yes Okay. I thought you liked Shear. I was playing on. I was. I, I wanted Derby, but I was also playing on the fact that you had really been. You I wanted thought, Barber. No, no. Well, you were well that, but also you were quite into <laughs> Shear's play in Game One. I was. I was. Yeah. So that was the thing. I thought I would get something <laughs> that I wanted by trading you something that you wanted. I see. Well, well. Uh, I mean, this is this is we we can go back and forth. We Very can do inside lunch. baseball. Our people can talk. Our our, our our people can do lunch, and and our people talk to your people. <laughs> uh, but 
No, no, the tra- no the tra- I was only I was only I was only giving Barbara away because I was absolutely fucking desperate, and then I thought Derby was out too, and I thought I literally didn't have enough players to field a fantasy squad. Well, the good thing is, Sam. The good thing is yes. that that Derby back into your side, um, and Gunjaka into your side, mm. both played the fucking house down, really. Yes, absolutely. Well, I feel I feel like me, yeah. This this conversation adequately uh, <laughs> adequately demonstrates how how much I I wanted Darby in my side yeah. still because of how well she played. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely uh, made a mark for herself. Um, and was you know unfortunately can't quite say game a game changing performance uh, because unfortunately the game did not go our way, but close close to a game defining. It was. Uh, effort definitely there, there, there. She definitely wanted to change the game. Yes, and 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 Claudia was um was like a whole different player, really. Um, sort of. I don't I don't think that's that we're looking at her ceiling, which is of course is very exciting because I think she can, um, she can get even you know miles and miles better than that than she was, um, in this game. But but she was very impressive in this game. Really, like a lot of. A lot of things like I think she came out to prove herself, um, and I just thought it was the biggest thing. I see the great marks and the the you know having so much more, seeming to demonstrate so much more leadership qualities that we know she's capable of. She brought those out, um, you know, making plays, really getting amongst it. I was really impressed with her use of her of her body, in terms of like fending off tackles, um, you know, turning into things at, at the right time. Um, really used her strength well, like, like just like, was just like a, and that's, that's why I felt like she was not only, you know, statistically obviously had a better game, but just seemed like a different person, the way she really got amongst it um, and took on other players and really like, just re- seemed really confident and real and like she, not only like she wanted to do her best, which she obviously did, but like she wanted to, to dominate the, the game and each individual uh, sort of confrontation she had. I'm really glad that, um, uh, like, that the team stuck with her because after some, you know, a player has, you know, one disposal on debut, you know, it is a big squad. There are a lot of good players in the squad. You know, there could have been a, a thing to go, oh, well, maybe we'll, you know, get, have a rest for a week or whatever. I think it's just what the doctor ordered in f- for Claudia um, who seems to be a real confidence player and someone who can really impose their will on the game when they're up and about and feeling good. I thought it was like a big vote of confidence of like, no, just back yourself, go in and, and do what you do. And I think mm. the, uh, the, is, re- the rewards were obvious. She does remind me of someone from the AFL M team. Hmm. And that's Tommy Hawkins. I've got that sort of vibe about her that she can build a bit more muscle get a bit stronger, she can ragdoll anyone out of her way and really clutch some marks and be really a spearhead for our attack. Who did she say, because I'm sure when we interviewed Claudia that she talked about her favourite player and I had in my head that it was Cam Mooney or Hawkins. I it was. Uh, but I, yeah, I, and, and, it, and that utility player thing of being able to go forward or back really does remind me of watching Moons back in the day. But mm. I think she's just another exciting um, weapon for the cats and played played really well. Obviously, the best game of her of her two game career, but I think it really made you go, "Oh, I totally get it!" Like every, everything that the cats yeah. saw in Claudia, 
um, was, was I thought very much on display the the marking ability, the, the creative ability. She's one of those players too, who I think sees different dimensions of the field, you know, not all mm. players do. Um, but, but she's one that definitely can, can, you know, work out those angles. She sees everything sort of like, you know, a beautiful mind. Not every player does, um, but she mm-hmm. definitely um, seems to. So, I'd, yeah. I'd be interested to know statistically how they compare, but I felt like um, Becky Webster also had a much better game. I haven't got her stats from last week in front of me. Actually, I do. I do, because I've got it in our fantasy um, stuff here. So last week... Uh, Becky Webster had, yeah, no, you're right. Last week, 10 touches for Becky Webster did lay nine tackles and took a mark, but this week, uh, 21 touches, two tackles. Um, so yeah, double the amount of footy, um, for Becky Webster in, in this game. Um, uh, another player, Johnny Gabby Featherston, I thought now. She uh, had only the four touches and the mark, but I was like goosebumps uh, the four times where she got the the footy because I thought all four uh, were really special. What did you think of her debut? Uh, Another excellent pickup by the Cats. Um, She seems one that is played football a long time and grew up wanting to play football mm. sort of opportunity and has grabbed it with both hands because she looks like a player that is ready to take the game by the horns and really, really become a, a super defender for the Cats because she's got that ability to break the lines, to grab it, run, sidestep and do some, you know, great things just run through players as well. She was able to run through a few current players with, with ease and give off great handballs and then keep running to try and get the receive back. Mm-hmm. And I tell you, once she, once she gets a few more games under her belt and gets confident, oh, I don't think she needs much more confidence because she was oozing the confidence to do what she was mm-hmm. able to do. So, yeah, I'm really excited to see what she can bring to this team because that was an exciting debut there was a passage of play and I'm pretty sure it ended in a behind for the cats um, where, you know, someone won it down back. I believe they handed it off to, to Gabby Featherson sort of around the defensive 50 and she wove her way in throughout and then just mm. delivered this raking kick um, to another Geelong player sort of almost on the arc of 50 on the attacking 50. And then, you know, it went inside 50 for a behind and I was just like, holy moly, like that was an exciting passage of play. Like the cats going pretty yes. much upfield in, you know, a handful of kicks to get a scoring chance. Um, did you like the, uh, even a commentators said something that was probably one of the best plays I've seen in the mm. game that just a great run and ball carried by the cats. Any other standouts for you, Sambo? Any other sort of players you want to put a bit of, um, you know, good vibe on? Um, probably not in particular. Jordan Ivy is a player that like yeah. hasn't necessarily um every game been one that like I've I've taken given a lot of, of credit to. Um, mm. but I think um she had a yeah, she, game. 
she had a really solid, solid, a solid game. Did some really good things. Just seemed pretty, um, pretty consistent. Um, uh, but apart from that, not, not so much. I mean, everyone did really well. I've, I've got the list up in front of me, mm. um, and sort of like everyone that played did. You know, <laughs> there's certainly no one that I don't think deserves praise. Put it that way. But I think we've yeah. we've covered the the real. Uh, the peak ones and yeah there's as we've I mean Georgia Prasparkas obviously going up against her uh, her sister um, you know did did pretty well had almost got a really really cracking goal in there mm. um, that one when she just took it on and she she saw the headlines and <laughs> it was <laughs> it was so close it was about it was about you know half a foot higher and it probably would have been a goal Um so she obviously, yeah, came out and probably not as, as much of a dominant performance as last week, but there was more pressure, I think, this week coming up against her sister. So that's understandable. But um, no, they all, did, they all did really well. And it's, it's so close. It's so close. Some of those things you guys have talked about, you know, some of the, the highlights, it's just about stringing those highlights together a little more consistently. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's got the makings for a really fucking great team. I am... Um... I've got one more player I'd like to sort of just uh, throw some praise on before we get to votes. Um, and that's just Annabelle Johnson. Um, the, the little tough nut from Echuca. Um, I've been really impressed by her in her two games. Now it's not like a volume of statistics that I've, that that's impressive, but seven touches, two marks, and her marking ability, I think, is, is really impressive. She's, she's a good mark for her size because um, she's not a big player, but also had five tackles, which was good for second best on the team. She and Monty Kearns tied with five each um, behind Amy McDonald, who had six. So I really like Annabelle Johnson. I think she's an underrated um, pickup by the Cats that I think will be a, a key cog for this team. Um, moving forward, especially if you get a bit more of the ball to her. Votes. Let's do the votes. Let's do three, two, ones. Let's do it. Um, Sambo, start us off with yours. Go, yeah, go for it. I'm still, I'm still arming and ahhing a little. <laughs> well, I can go if you want. Um, if you want a bit more time, I can go. Uh, yeah, you go. I've just All got right. to figure out my three. I've got right. to figure out who deserves the top spot. I'm going to go one vote to Kate Darby. Um, I just thought that you could just tell there was an energy to her performance. She was absolutely there um, to try and compete and show. I, th- I, I don't know. I just got the feeling maybe she was a little bit disappointed with her effort in game one, like um, sort of a la Claudia Gunjaka. They both seemed to come out and really um, try and dominate. As I said, uh, eight touches, three marks, three tackles, three hitouts for Kate Darby. I thought she was outstanding. She gets my one vote. I'm going to go two votes to Jordan Ivey. Um, just trying to find her stats here. Um, Ivey, 11 touches, two marks, three tackles, underrated part, again, of the team, I think. Um, and I'm going to give three votes to Mad, uh, Maddie Kerrick. Kerrick had 12 touches, couple of tackles, but I just feel like her, I don't know. I really have liked her games across the first two matches of the season. Um, and so, yeah, I, I really liked the cut of Maddie Kerrick's jib. So I'm going three votes there. I said two votes to Ivy as well. 
Sambo nice. or Johnny, who wants to go next? Uh, I can go next if you want. Go for it. Uh, I am going to give one vote to Monty Kearns. Uh, as we said, it was a game of two halves, really, but I think I think her effort uh, as a you know as a player that's not only her second game for the Cats, second game of of the the sport. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I think she she improved again. You know, double doubled her impact on last week, and I feel like she'll probably do it again uh, in the weeks to come. And she's probably the kind of player that, yeah, I think just is is rarely seen outside of the votes um, on this show at a certain point. So I'll give her her, I oh, think, her, her first first votes. Yep. First yeah. votes. So this is christening her uh, entering into the into the cat's votes. I'm going to give two to Claudia Gunjaka for all the reasons we, we discussed prior. Uh, and I'm I'm still still tossing it up a little bit, but I'm going to give my three to Derby. Nice, yeah, no, definitely again for the same reason. I was Jordan Ivy was up there as well, and I mean, Amy McDonald was was I know was really good as well. Like I like know. she's just so <laughs> expectedly good at this point. The fact that I didn't give her any votes is fucking criminal, and she could have probably had my three. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's very tough. And, and Becky Webster and Prasparkas. What have you got for us, Johnny? Yeah. Well, you do think me and Sam have been in conversation during the week on Bodie, <laughs> but we haven't. Now I'm giving one vote to Monty Kearns. Yeah. It's sensational. Uh, I'm giving two votes to Claudia Gunjaka. Yeah. <laughs> Same reasons. Uh, three votes is going to be different. I'm going to give it to my three to Amy McDonald. Uh, number. Fantastic game where the entire time she tried to hide out, mm. as she always does, an elite leader for the cats, and just an, um, an elite an elite player. You know what I mean? Like like Amy McDonald, just like not only for the cats, but just like I don't know, she's one of those players that just like when the ball's heading her way, you just have no doubt. Do you know gonna, what I mean? Like she's <laughs> going to affect it some way, and yeah, she did every time, and yeah, she's just. A sensational player, a great role model for everyone in the AFLW and girls growing up watching as well, along with a whole other lot of women I, playing this game. She's but, a she's a role model for for men growing up. She's she's she's, yeah. a, she's a role she's model just, for me. She's my hero. <laughs> <laughs> she's a um, an AFL role model to mm-hmm. everyone. Along with, along with many other players that played this fantastic game. So to update the standings for you, Amy McDonald takes an early commanding lead. She's looking for back-to-back chaps. I don't, re- I don't reckon. I don't reckon she's gonna. She's gonna slip. She's got. <laughs> she's got a six-vote lead. She's got eleven votes herself. Georgie Prasparkas then in second place on five. Maddie Kerrick with four. Darby with four. Gunjaka four. And then McWilliams, three. Got two each for Rach Kearns and Jordan Ivey and one to Juliet Crocker. Grills, so that... It, now, if you had have, have told me um, before the season that we wouldn't have had a vote for Megatron through two games, I would have been very surprised. Mm. Um, yeah. So, surprises all round. Um, shall Also, a welcome thing, because this is what we were hoping as well, that a little bit of the pressure would have been taken off Mm-hmm. Her shoulders in that defense, and looks what look what happens. It's yeah. taking the pressure off her shoulders, and 
you wonder if it's just going to take a little bit of time for sort of a slight, not a reinvention, but like slight recalibration of like, okay, I don't have to be the one to get to that inside 50 kick every time. Like, Mm. so, so it's going to take a little bit um, to sort of recalibrate where, where it goes and how it happens. All right. um, Let's bring in the horse. Not that it's halftime, but. Lollies are a spray from the coach. Lollies, absolutely. Lollies are a spray from the coach. Lollies, absolutely. That's what half about. It is what half time's about. And first off, thought we'd get to the uh, the the chaps fantasy comp um, update on standings here. Update on the week. Uh, do you? It, we'll, we we'll go through. Last week, uh, in week one, Sambo, his team ravaged by COVID um, and selection injuries, um, 63 points. Johnny put up 107.5 on the back of the Georgie Prasparkas. Um, brilliant effort. I put up 120 points. Becky Webster and um, Amy McDonald put up the majority of those. So week two, uh, do we want to do this in third place, second place, first place? And then I'll update the yes. overall standing. Yeah, All right. Good. All right. So third place. And this was, this was an interesting week. It got, it got quite close. I will say there was only 17 fantasy points between third place and first place in week two, which is Ooh. not a lot. Um, Last week there was, 40 something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. 57 points between. Right. So a lot tighter. And I tracked them quarter by quarter. And Johnny Larkin got out to a fast start. His best performers for the day um, were Rachel Kearns got 23 points. The five disposals, the five tackles, a mark and a goal. Next best was Prasparkas, 15 touches, two tackles, a mark, 21 points altogether. And Chantal Emanson, 12 disposals, one tackle, three marks to score 20 points. So that's John's top three. I'll do the top three for each team. So John, though, came in in third place for the week after starting out looking like he was going to absolutely tear the competition a new butthole. Um I think the Rach Kearns quietening off in the second half. Johnny put up 87 points. Still a respectable fantasy score. Respectable for what? Six, five players? Yes. Not bad. That's pretty good. Absolutely. And and then now, in second spot, um, and his team got off to a slow start. Um, But he's built the team in his image. Ever consistent and ever reliable. Uh, Sambo's team. Have I built this? Can I really say I've built this team at all at this point? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I don't think it's anything, it looks anything like. I think my only original pick is left is Claudia, right? Well, what's, well, what's maybe, 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 maybe Darby, or did I take pick Darby up as a replacement last week? No, you drafted Heels. Darby. Uh, okay. You drafted Darby. And Crockett Grills. Yeah, she wasn't there though. So. No, that's true. But the interesting thing, Sam got very consistent production out of all five players. 
His lowest scoring player was Kerrick, who got 16. His highest scoring player was Darby, who got 21 and a half points. Um, so you had Darby, eight disposals, three tackles, three marks, three hitouts, 21 and a half. He had Claudia Gunjaka with 21 points, 11 disposals, five marks. And he had Darcy Maloney, 14 disposals, three tackles for 20 points. Um, so Sam scores 96.5 points in week two. Um, but yeah, boy, held on to the top spot in, in week two. Here comes um, the arrogance. Uh, <laughs> it's awkward reading out your own shit. Um, Amy McDonald, top of my ones. She got 20 disposals, six tackles for 32 points. Um, Phoebe McWilliams, eight disposals, two tackles, four marks, and a goal to get up to 26 points. And Becky Webster, 21, ta- 21 touches, two tackles for 25 points i put up 104 for the week so we'll go to the overall standings we are still in the order of the first week so sambo is in third place with 159 and a half points johnny's second place with 194 and a half and me with first on 224 points through the two weeks so there you go. That's your fantasy update. Any thoughts on the fantasy game as it happens so far? I'm really enjoying tracking it. Uh, yeah, it's it's fun. It's really interesting to see how it, how it translates. Uh, I feel like all of our teams are working the way they they would, even yep. uh, the way that we thought they would, even in in yeah, in spite of my constant fucking bending over backwards to actually field a team. Um, I'm really like it's it's good. I'm glad I'm holding on by the skin of my teeth, but I'm really excited to see when I actually get my squad as mm. as I saw it to yeah. see if if it if it can function uh, at a higher productivity. Um, the fact that I did okay this week without Julia Crocker grills is I'm pretty happy about because I, I have pinned mm. most of my stats my 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 hypothetical points are pinned on her production as well as Olivia Barber, who hasn't even got a fucking run yet. Mm. So yes. There's some, some good players still in the, in the pool. Oh, the, the top five. They're all good players, Jake. They're all good. Absolutely. Our top five fantasy scorers so far for the season are Amy McDonald with 83 in two games, Becky Webster with 56 in two games, Prasparkas 53 in her to Phoebe McWilliams with 46 and Rachel Kearns with 42. Then you've got Maddie Carrick, 38, Liv Fuller, 37 and a half. But there's three free agents out there who are scoring well, who don't have a team. Annabelle Johnson has 35 points through two games. Zali Friswell has 30 points through two games and Geordie Ivy, 29. So they're three players without not currently rostered in our fantasy league that um, mm. could be looking to crack into a side in the near. As I said, as I said I, my plan was to go three weeks without changing anything. Uh, I've had to change everything both <laughs> weeks, um, but I'll still, I will still hold true to like fielding as close to my original squad as I can for this third yep. game. Mm. And then after that point, um, yeah, especially if uh, like Ringing Karras hasn't had a run yet, right? Karras nah. hasn't, Ramos hasn't, and 
uh, Gehring has been. And, well, Kar- Karis, um, oh, who did we just said, uh, say Karis and uh, Ramos. Um, Ramos. Ramos. And Barber, they're all. I'm, that's far, I'm pretty sure they're all three people that were in my original squad, and none mm-hmm. of them have had a run yet. Yeah, Stephanie Williams still hasn't had a game either. Yeah. So there's there's five. Wait, players. she was in my original squad as well. Yeah. 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 She was. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, lots. What are you thinking, Johnny? So far, how's your squad performed? I feel like they, um, they've done well. It's bad as well. So, well, I'll say better than I was expecting. I was. I was expecting to be in sand shoes going off. A lot of young, new upcoming players or players that are new to the team. So I was expecting to have to swap in players straight after the bat. So I've been pleasantly surprised and pretty happy with how they've been performing. Um, yeah, good points each week so far. And, mm. and I hope that that's kept going. And I can't uh, wait, um, hoping that. Morrison can come back this week because she's mm. another big dispo, uh, um, player that can get a lot of the ball and bring a lot to the team. How are you feeling, Jake? <laughs> yeah. I'm feeling good um, because, <laughs> well, because they've got a lot of points. But, like, no, I'm happy. Like, Amy McDonald, I think, was my first draft pick. And so it's nice to kind of have her having. No, your first pick was Meg. Wasn't it? That's uh, yeah. No, you're right. Uh, no? Yeah, I was. I don't know. I actually think because I was surprised because I was like, not. I'm sure I was surprised. No, I was you Meg, didn't go Megatron. Megatron. That was Megatron. Because you were both surprised. I picked Morrison over Megatron, and then you were surprised that Jake picked Megatron, and then I think we were surprised of who you picked. No, I'm sure because I, I would have, I was, I would have put money on Jake picking Megatron, and I was sure, I, like, I'm sure. No, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm, <laughs> we'll go have to listen to that. Play back the tape, tape. Play back the tape. I think, but I think that the thing too that it was one of the McDonald's with fan, well, they were definitely my first <laughs> two picks because they were the first two players I had listed on my draft board. Um, so, I, I definitely can... through two weeks. I want to do with this this with the men's season. I know you can actually play yes. fantasy, like, but I actually just but like I, doing it with I... the cat squad, just the three of us. Mm. I find it quite fun, and and I think too, it's I've really liked it because it's helped me learn the whole squad. Like, I'm more aware mm. of players that are mm. maybe on the fringe and how they're contributing than I might otherwise have been. So I like it. I like it yes. a lot. Cool. Which is the same thing I've always felt about playing fantasy sports in general. Like with the NFL, I know so many more fringe players because I have to, because they might make a difference for my team and that sort of thing. So yeah, no, I do. Yeah, I still like. made the playoffs. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> hey, there's some amount of luck involved. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, last little bit we have to do is just quickly, just quickly. I'll, I'll just some news. Um, How's your tipping going? Tipping. That's a good point. I'll load that up while we, um, while I do the news. Um, the news of course is we'll start with the Jack Henry one. Jack Henry has suffered a setback. Um, obviously the runner up in the cats BNF last season has undergone foot surgery for a partial foot fracture, which could seem sidelined up to six weeks. Now that seems to include like running, 
Like he could not be running again for another six weeks. Keeping in mind that round one for the Cats men's team comes on March 19th. So a month away, sorry, two months away, eight weeks um, against the Bombers. Don't know if you've got any thoughts on it, chaps. Catch a bloody break on injury fronts, men, can they? No, they can't at at this point. It's um, very frustrating. It's frustrating to hear, especially key players still continuing to just get pretty, not even very like, um, like, like big big injuries that you hear about like the ACLs, PCLs, all that. It's always like just a hamstring or that one that um, Stuart had. That's just ones that Frank. Yep. seem not so major, but just take out a player for such a long time. Yeah, 100%. Frustrating as fuck. <laughs> 100%. The other news story is that Oshin Mullen... Um, the Irishman from County Mayo, who was scheduled to come over, the Cats had announced that they'd signed him and he was going to come over and um, play footy with, you know, Mark O'Connor and Zach Tui and Rach Kearns, who was also um, from County Mayo, um, Rachel Kearns. Um, but that's now not the case. Um, he has elected that he's going to be eligible for selection to the county panel um, for Mayo in the upcoming GAA football season. Um, I actually found this out, boys, before. Well, not didn't find it out, but I got an inkling that this was going to go down because I listened to Smaller Fish GAA podcast by Colm Parkinson. Really good podcast if you want to get into Irish um, Gaelic athletic sports. Um, but the, the lads on there were talking about um, Oshin Mullen sort of umming and ahhing about this decision and that sort of thing. And and listening to them talk about it and sort of having listened to that podcast for a while now, it makes a lot of sense um, to give Cap uh, Chaps listeners and you, you guys a bit of background on this. Mayo have been so close to winning the All-Ireland Championship like for a long time, they perennially make sort of the, the all Island final, which is, you know, the grand final for them and have just had painful loss after painful loss. I think Dublin won the thing six years in a row and three of those were over Mayo by a point. Um, so they have just been beset by uh, tragedy on the field. They lost in 2020 2015 to Dublin and then they lost in 2021 to Tyrone who they were favored to beat 20 to 15. So Ocean Mullen was part of both of those finals. So he's had back-to-back grand final losses with his County. And I think that sort of factors in um, something that, you know, if, if listeners aren't familiar with uh, the guys over there and, and the girls too, they're, they're playing with their friends, basically. You, you know, you play for your county. There's no free agency. There's no trades. You play for the, the county you were born in, you know, that you, that you live in, all that sort of thing. And, you know, they're not paid. They're amateurs um, for, in that sense, in the sense that they're not paid. They're working a job in Ireland. They're studying. And I think while I'm disappointed from a Geelong centric kind of point of view, I can totally understand why he made the decision. Like it's a, it's an intro, it's a, 
tough time to uproot your life during this global time of uncertainty and move all the way on the other side of the world, away from your family, away from your friends. I also think there's unfinished business there with him, with his football in the GAA and wanting to see the county get over the line. So I think for those reasons, it, it really makes sense. And, and it's two years where you're out of, of the Irish game, out of Irish life, um, and, and listening to those guys talk about it on the podcast, guys like Connor McKenna from Essendon, you know, they've said it's really hard being away for that stretch of time and then trying to go back. It's like your life has been put on pause. Um, so I, I totally get it. Do you boys have any sort of thoughts on this or is that sort of good enough as a news read? No, I, I, I agree. Would love to have him here, but you know, it's just like we said back with the Jordan Clark thing. If it doesn't make sense for the player to be here, then why would you you want them to? What you you know? Why would you want to force them to be here? So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, it sounds like if you did come over, you may get a bit of that homesick and just go well, not going to be able to play the best for the team and whatnot. I'll have to go home. So it's best that he needs to do what he what he thinks is best for himself. And if that's Staying in Ireland and staying in Ireland, there's, there's no real um, guarantee that coming over here is going to make him a career in AFL as successful as all the other Irish lads. Mm. Um, I reckon it most likely could have, but we may find out one day, but at the moment he's got to do what he believes is best for him and that's staying in Ireland, stay in Ireland and make sure you play for Mayo and get that championship because it sounds pretty desperate for it and mm. I think that's something good to work towards so best of luck on winning that um, championship go go Mayo yeah absolutely I, I'd love to see him get over the line because yeah it's been a it's been a long I watched that game just the other day so I was watching him play and yeah it was a tough one <laughs> um, alright we'll end with the tipping I'll just give an update Beers with Ben still leads the way, though he's tied with Turnsky. Um, Jack Turnsky. So, so for the week, we had six tips correct for Ben and Jack Turner. We had, uh, what, five players all get five. We had Ender, McGeerty, uh, we had Johnny Larkin, we had Loz, myself and Sambo all get five. We had... Uh, the great Oklahoman and Jack Johnson and Foxy all get four. And so the total standings as it currently sits is beers with Ben and big Turnsky locked first and second, um, even on points with 12 each. Uh, Ender McGeerty with 11. David, Jared, Johnny and Sambo all locked on 10. Loz with nine and then Jacko, uh, Jacko Johnson and me sharing the seller here on eight points a piece. So there you have it. Not much in it. Not a lot in it. Four, four points from bottom to the top. There's not, there's not much in it at the moment. No, but, uh, but, but Turnsky and, and beers with Ben setting a cracking pace there with, with six correct each, each week so far. So I think that'll do it. A bit of, Bit of pressure on Bizzle Ben to keep that uh, Collingwood supporter behind him. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, you can listen to us again. There'll be a live show. The Cats play on Friday night. 
currently I'm scheduled to work, but I will try my absolute best to see if I can swap a shift. Um, otherwise, you'll see Johnny and Sambo, I would assume. Um, who, who are we playing this week? Is it Are we like resuming with the dogs or is that just cancelled? Collingwood, I think, who are red yeah, hot. Col- Collingwood. Absolutely Collingwood. red hot Collingwood. Um, I think down in, down in Geelong. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So it doesn't get any easier for the cats. No. No, it does not. <laughs> Brisbane. Brisbane after that. Yeah. In Brisbane. And it's going to be interesting if we get yeah, like Brisbane have only played the one game so far, had the week off this week because of COVID issues and stuff. Um, going to be very interesting to see how the reigning premiers come out. Um, yeah. Chuck us a mail sack entry. Chapshackcats at gmail.com. Go and like us. Whack it in the sack. Oh, whack it in the sack, boy. Top up the sack. That's right. Five-star reviews, Apple Podcasts, all that sort of stuff. Oh. Spotify. Yeah. Share us with your friends. Please. Go, cats! We're lovable. Go to cats.